0: Hello again and welcome to Ken Drew's Real Dirt, Gardening 2.0, the radio show and podcast. I'm your host, Ken Drews, and today we're going to talk to Miriam Goldberger about wildflower gardening. Miriam Goldberger has been taming wildflowers for a long time. She grew up in an artistic family near New York City, studied dance, and became a fitness expert in Los Angeles. She even did a stint as a midwife. When she moved to a 100-acre farm outside of Toronto, she started growing stuff from seed and she says she became smitten by the beauty and the miracle of that process. Well, she now finds herself a flower farmer at Wildflower Farm, a business she founded with her husband Paul Jenkins in 1991 wildflower farm expanded to become a pick your own flower farm this quickly attracted the attention of people in southern ontario drawing thousands of folks to the farm during the summer months miriam is also and now the author of a new book taming wildflowers from seed to vase a celebration guide and user's manual hello miriam and welcome to Drew's real dirt good day to you ken I'm glad, I, you know, we, we, we talked for a moment before we started about how we are familiar with New Jersey. <laughs>
1: yes, yes. We could lapse into a New Jersey accent at any moment. Uh,
0: th- actually, this is my New Jersey accent. Oh, okay. Well, I, well, I, this
1: is my New Jersey accent as uh,
0: well. <laughs> <laughs> people, well, you know how people think about New Jersey, but we don't have to get into that. No. But I'm back in New Jersey. That's where you are speaking me to me. From. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Mm-hmm. I love it. Uh, well, first of all, I'd like to ask you a question I always ask. What is a wildflower?
1: Well, of course, it does depend on individual definitions. The definition I work with, which is largely accepted by most wildflower horticulturalists in North America, is a plant that was here prior to European settlement in North America. It's a good broad definition, one that I like.
0: Well, it's it's broad, and you know, as you said, I mean, people people say, use the word wildflower for almost anything. And uh, uh, the reason I asked you is, and I knew I'd get a good answer, uh, because a lot of places that sell wildflower seed and s- quote-unquote wildflowers are selling things like Queen Anne's Lace and Oxide mm-hmm. Daisies.
1: Yes, there are many, many bogus wildflower seed mixes on the market. We have affectionately referred to them for a long time as the scam in the can. (laughs) Uh,
0: Oh, right, meadow in a can.
1: Yes, exactly. And, uh, I mean, the thing is, I think most North Americans still um, labor under the delusion that wildflowers are uh, that lovely uh, meadow you see, uh, say, in, uh, you know, you know, in a Prince Charles photograph, you know, mm-hmm. of his his English meadows, you know, with the with the blue cornflowers and the little red poppies and 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 the biennial yellow wallflowers and 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 so we think that that's a meadow. Well, I suppose if you if you are uh, residing on you know the island where the United Kingdom is, yes, that's legitimate. But here. That's not what works at all because we have a very varied and very challenging uh, environment here. and different plants d- do the job than those ones.
0: Well, I think a lot of people think that wildflowers are the, are the things that grow it, it, on the roadside and in the curb cuts and you know mm-hmm.
1: oh yes, that's another important uh, um, myth uh, and, and misnaming. Uh, about wildflowers, because uh, it, it's natural to think when you're driving around the countryside uh, you know, on a Sunday afternoon that the things you see uh, that are in swaths and that are unkept uh, are wildflowers, but most of the time these days those are escapees from somewhere else, or aliens as they're referred to mm-hmm. in, in the hort industry, um, that have gotten really comfortable and are what they call naturalized.
0: Well, and we can call weeds. <laughs>
1: yes, indeed, indeed, we can. We can indeed correctly call them weeds, um, because well, I mean, the weed definition most of us go by, of course, is a weed is a plant uh, that you just don't want in that spot. Mm-hmm. And, but but in fact, you know, botanically, that's you know they're not from uh, North America. They're not true wildflowers. So,
0: yeah, they're weeds. Well, we can, I'm going to ask you a question, but delay the answer, which is the the challenge Mm -hmm. of establishing a wildflower, let's say, for example, meadow, when you've got all these exotics and European and Asian and mostly European farm weeds that, uh, you know, they love disturbed land, and that's an amazing challenge. But before we get into that, Uh, I just want to mention that you are, Wildflower Farm, uh, a leading native seed grower and supplier of hardy native perennial seeds Mm -hmm. and site-specific wildflower seed mixes for homeowners, landscape contractors, municipalities, and corporations. And that's a big deal. (laughs) And a lot of work. So you have the cut flower farm and you, you're growing flowers for cutting wildflowers and uh, your definition of plants that were there before European settlement and also growing those plants for, to collect seed and sell seed.
1: Mm-hmm. The primary thrust of our, our business and, and how we eat is through the sale of uh, these hardy perennial wildflower and native grass seeds. So we have a 100-acre farm, and we grow uh, these wildflowers and native grass uh, seeds. We harvest them um, largely mechanically, though we have extensive uh, demonstration gardens where we harvest manually as well, and then after everything is harvested, it is dried in basically Giant uh, bread bins, almost, so that uh, the airflow is good. And we do this in our big, beautiful old barn. And then from there, uh, everything is 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 cleaned. Uh, many different types of wonderful toys used to clean the different types of seeds that have different shapes, different. Uh, uh, hardness of shells, et cetera, et cetera. And then uh, from there, they're they're packaged and sold uh, as individual species in everything from a single package of seed up to large quantities of individual species. And then also lots and lots of meadow mixes. These are real meadow mixes, Mm -hmm. the kind that are uh, perennial that you seed once. And they're very what they call site-specific, which means that... Uh, you're taking into account the amount of sunlight, the type of soil, the amount of moisture an area gets, and uh, these are ultra, uber low-maintenance landscapes, because once they're established, the maintenance on them is uh, about once a year, you mow them down, or when appropriate and allowed, uh, burn them, but Mm -hmm. most North Americans are not comfortable with burning, and I, I hesitate to even mention it, but there are lots of ways to take care of a meadow without burning it. And then very much as a passionate sideline uh, is is my cutting garden obsession uh, <laughs> with native plants um, and native grasses. And I am not, I should add, a purist. I'm not one of those wildflower uh, people who... Uh, is so vehemently attached to native plants that thinks that no one should grow anything else. I, I lo- I'm obsessed <laughs> with flowers and gardening, and my private gardens have lots of different kinds of plants, and and my cutting gardens are and have been an endless experiment of annuals and perennials, and uh, that that's really a lot of fun. My point of view with the book and with uh, Wildflowers in general uh, is very much that uh, you, you just need to have native plants in the landscape, and and I'm sure we can talk about that as well. The the essential, crucial link between native plants and the pollinators that we need to yeah, we uh, have so much to talk about. <laughs> <on the table. laughs> I, but <laughs> yeah. you
0: made me think of about twelve things. Um, mm-hmm. You said you you mentioned garden the word garden, and I think that's sort of the distinction, because you're, you're growing native plants in the right places, in the right situations, and as you said, once established, because it's not going to happen overnight, but once established, the native plants can duke it out with those invasive weeds, and uh, we you talked about mowing and burning, and one of the advantages of doing things like that is that you suppress those exotic weeds, which are usually cold season plants that come up before the plants that you want. Uh, see, I'm, a- I'm asking too many questions, um, and I and I have too many things to ask you, uh, but th- when I say the word garden, like mm-hmm. the cutting garden, that's where you're having the plants that you want that may not be native, but that's not, you know, that's a different kind of garden, I guess, to have a cutting garden or a cut flower garden or the gardens around your house of mixed plants, and I'm going to interrupt myself because I want to know about echo lawn, <laughs> or do you call it Ecolon? Yes, well, we can certainly
1: talk about Ecolon. I'd be really thrilled to talk with you about Ecolon. And for but shade, I'm going to backtrack and, uh, and answer the question I think you're asking about using native plants successfully in a traditional flower border. Well,
0: actually, I was and, I was just uh, explaining how you ooh. blend them. We, Absolutely. We want them I, all.
1: I, I, this is this is this is my point that 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 there is absolutely no point in being a purist about any of these things. I really think it's counterproductive to 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 my my cause, my mission for uh, native plants to be used in landscapes throughout North America. Uh, I mean, but, I mean, why should we limit ourselves? But what's really the point is the is is the other side of the coin, which is why do we need to include them and and, and as you know, and as many of your listeners know, Doug Tallamy has written a, a wonderful book mm-hmm. uh, about the, the science behind why landscapes need native plants. And one of the cool things about my new book is that in, 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 in most gardening books, you know, you have a profile of the plant and you know, what conditions it grows in and the pictures of Of what it looks like in bloom, Um, we've also included uh, each of these individual species, their pollination partners, mostly native, a little bit non-native. A honeybee is not native, um, and talk in detail about how these plants actually are integrated into the way the ecosystem works here in North America, and that excites me. That really excites me.
0: And uh, you know the most common example I can think of is the butterfly bush and people think mm-hmm. because it attracts butterflies which it does uh, that that's as good as any other plant but it's not for the pollinator well,
1: one of the, 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 the most fun aspects to me of writing this book and there were many fun aspects of it is to be able to through research make the links between uh, human nutrition and uh, pollinator nutrition. I mean, and some of these are speculative on my part, but, for example, there's a wonderful book, and you should interview her, called (laughs) Eating on the Wild Side Mm -hmm. by Joe Robinson. Are you familiar with this book? No. Okay. It is fantastic, and it it is the science and nutritional research behind wild human foods, huh. all, the, all the wild things, you know, and that we eat many hybridized versions of these, but in fact there are, you know, wild, uh, you know, I can't even come up at the moment with the the list of the original foods, because it's not foremost in my brain, but the point is the nutritional value of these foods is far higher than even the beautiful heirloom plants and hybridized vegetables that we like to grow, which are fun to grow and worthwhile to grow, but the nutrition is higher in these other plants. So my postulation is that doesn't it make sense that in terms of the food, the, the pollen nectar produced for, for the pollinators that is found in native plants is likely to have higher nutritional value than non-native
0: well, it's the it's the fact that the plants and the animals that, that use the plants evolve together. It's the coevolution.
1: Exactly, <coughs> exactly. So you know, I mean, why on earth would 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 a native plant who's dependent upon a pollinator to continue as a species provide them with uh, what is essentially junk food by comparison?
0: Mm-hmm. To empty calories, of high
1: nutritional, <laughs> empty calories. Yes high nutritional value so this interests me i i I find that very very exciting
0: well talking about your book one thing that i think is so cool is that you show the seedlings yes nobody
1: does that I i i i was so excited to be able to do that because you know if you're, if you're interested in growing native plants, then it's very helpful, obviously, to know what the seedling looks like. But if you're any gardener doing any weeding, you really need to know. And yeah, it's like, what the meadow, heck?
0: Is, now, is that, did I plant that? Is that something good or is that, I can't tell, is that a weed? Right, I, so right. So then you let it grow up till it's 12 inches tall and you find out it's one of the worst weeds you've ever had and it's too late and it's huh. going to seed. Exactly. So with, exactly.
1: With so it's very useful for all those purposes, and another purpose uh, for uh, being able to identify seedlings. I always find is the the process of of editing uh, a garden uh, when it's still in the seedling phase. Yeah. Uh, you really can uh, can have a lot of fun with that. It's almost like painting. You know, you can leave some in, you can move some around, and uh, yeah, so I, I was really excited about that too, to include seedlings, especially for our customers that are growing meadows mm-hmm. uh, from seed, the first year you you begin this process.
0: Yeah, is otherwise so they're gonna confusing. get overrun. I'm speaking with Miriam Goldberger and her new book is Taming Wildflowers from Seed to Vase, a celebration or vase. <laughs> guide, and user's <laughs> manual. We say vase, I think, from New Jersey. Well, well, well
1: New Jersey, we say vase. Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: now, I, I wanted to talk about eco-lawn, especially for the shade. We're, we're not going to have probably enough time because the mm-hmm. o- one of the other things in your book uh, mm-hmm. is a lot about using the flowers, cutting the flowers, drying the mm-hmm. flowers, mm-hmm. and something that's kind of completely new besides showing the seedlings mm-hmm. is the wildflower wedding. Yes,
1: yes, I, I love the idea of giving, you know, all the young people who are getting married who are so committed to doing a green wedding, mm-hmm. uh, having them understand that that the flowers need to be addressed as well. I mean. Uh, our, our dear friend Deborah Prinzing is is talking a lot about the importance of locally grown flowers, with with slow flowers and that, that fantastic movement. And to me, um, uh, wildflowers as cut flowers and wildflowers for weddings and and any kind of uh, arrangement are is a part a huge part of that as well uh, because we want to support uh, community gardens. We want to support the pollinators. We want to support locally grown. And uh, how, how, how much greener a wedding can you have than to have wildflowers at your wedding?
0: I think you are right. Really? <laughs> and yeah. and you have different uh, styles in the book. Uh, yeah. and, and I should mention that the book is really, as you say, DIY. It is do-it-yourself wildflower weddings. And mm-hmm. you have instructions for bouquets and boutonnieres and table Mm -hmm. arrangements with Mm -hmm. flowers and plants and flowers that you can grow yourself, I guess, get started.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, yes. And uh, one of the other aspects of the book that's really exciting too is that a lot of the uh, flower growers throughout North America are really looking for additional uh, technical support Mm -hmm. on uh, which flowers to grow, how to grow them, um, and incorporate more wildflowers into what they're doing.
0: Well, you're, you're... heading a new movement, in a, a, an adjunct movement to the local flower movement, mm-hmm. uh, and, a, and an important one. And as you know, in farmer's markets around the country, flowers are a big part of it. And I, I know some people who have farms, and they're, they're giving over more and more of their land to flowers, because mm-hmm. it's a big seller and a big money maker per square foot compared to... Mm-hmm like a watermelon. <laughs> that takes a really long time to get something in a lot of space. You can yes, get a lot of flowers. Exactly.
1: Yeah, and working with perennial uh, native wildflowers uh, also is, is really cost-effective as well because you don't have to constantly plant them every year like annuals.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so and we may get back to some of these other things too, but I did mention the eco-lawn. Sure. Uh, and the thing that interested me is the discovery in the shade of some of these grasses because well everybody wants lawn unfortunately more more and more people want less lawn but you still need a little lawn because it's the only living ground cover that you can that can take traffic and a little bit of abuse but in the shade it's a real challenge and sometimes you just want pretty green lawn to look at or green grass I should say so how would mm-hmm. this happen
1: well uh, we we we've been working with with meadows for a, a, a number of years, when we had customers who came to us, rightfully so, and said, "You know, we think our our meadows are very sustainable and low maintenance, but you know, we're still dealing with these these stupid water-guzzling, high maintenance, ridiculous lawns. Mm-hmm. You know, can you address this in any way?" And we said, "Well, we're really not lawn experts uh, by training, uh, but..." Sure, we'll look at it, and we spent three years doing a lot of very serious and rigorous research, and discovered uh, really almost serendipitously on a walk in the woods uh, in in ontario where 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 we live uh, that there were these these beautiful little grasses, and what were they? oh oh they're fine fescues oh, it turns out fine fescues are you know really rigorous grass natural grasses or native grasses that that grow naturally throughout many parts of north america some parts of europe as well and they have these deep roots that go down nine to fourteen inches they grow in the shade they grow in the sun they even grow under pine trees in acidic soils they're quick to germinate but they're slow to grow so that means that the average person who wants to have an eco lawn which is a blend of seven fine fescues uh would be mowing for traditional look about once a month, huh. once a month, and once it's established, uh, it, it's it's going to be uh, extraordinarily drought tolerant. So the deep roots and the fine blades mean that, depending on where you live in North America, you're either not needing to water at all once it's established, or your water reduction uh, for our many of our California eco-lawn customers is reduced between 50 and 80%.
0: And, and you can walk on the stuff?
1: Oh, it's very soft. Oh, <laughs> <it's one laughs> but, I mean, does it it's hold soft. up? Oh, it takes, it takes considerable lawn traffic because as it matures, it becomes quite dense so that, and this is something we discovered utterly by accident, um, a lot of people who are uh, dog owners actually use it, uh, a mature eco-lawn, to, to play on and throw Frisbees back and forth on with their dogs because it becomes so dense that it, it, it really works absolutely beautifully and doesn't uh, mind considerable traffic. It's not a sports turf, but it takes a lot of traffic. Uh, plus, the crowding out weeds part uh, of the denseness is, is a very attractive quality, and actually Cornell did a study I guess about eight years ago now, that uh, proved that fine fescue grasses are actually allelopathic, meaning, mm-hmm. of course, you know the name.
0: Yeah, no, term. keep going. <laughs> yeah, that, uh,
1: <laughs> that, um, that basically functions as its own pre-emergent, so it kills off via chemical competitive vegetation. So it is its own weed killer.
0: Or, cool. or preventer. <laughs> preventer. Oh, yes, yes. Well,
1: let's, let's look at the more benign term,
0: yes. Weed inhibitor. Well,
1: yes, weed inhibitor,
0: yes. Uh, I'm so That's interested correct. in that, and I'm going to have links on the Kendrew's Real Dirt website to hmm. your websites, and anything else you think would be relevant, because I think people are going to be looking for eco-lawn seed, mm-hmm. and for wildflower seed, and to hmm. learn more about your new book, uh, which I you know we're almost out of time, but I do want to say how, how much in this book, is how much you demonstrate using wildflowers in traditional borders and cutting gardens and how community gardens can grow some of, of your quote unquote wildflowers and vegetable mm-hmm. gardens and all different kinds of, of uses for these plants. And you have them, you know, plants for sandy soil, plants for loamy soil, plants for clayey soil. Uh, mm-hmm. A whole lot of how to grow wildflowers and a whole lot of how to grow wildflowers from seed with all the mm-hmm. different par- hardy wildflowers because a lot of them need cold stratification and you really go into that with uh, I- indoors mm-hmm. or in the refrigerator or outdoors, and uh, I want to thank you so much for being my guest today, Miriam Goldberger, the author of a new book, Taming Wildflowers from Seed to Vase, Celebration Guide and User's Manual, and it really is a user's manual, and thank you very much again.
1: Oh, you're welcome, Ken, thank you.
0: I hope you enjoyed my interview with Miriam Goldberger. I'm going to look into that eco-lawn, and join me again for another guest on Ken Drew's Real Dirt, Gardening 2.0.